listening to The Birthplace of Next, the podcast where city officials and partners discuss the latest news and developments in Dayton that make it a livable, sustainable, and innovative community. I'm Dayton's sustainability specialist, Meg Maloney, and today I'm talking with Commissioner Matt Joseph and Luke Suffrage, Director of the Sustainable Ohio Public Energy Council. This podcast was pre-recorded. All right, everyone, welcome. We're so excited to be talking about aggregation today and how the city of Dayton is going to be implementing our 100% renewable community aggregation program. Um, and with me, I have several guests joining us today. So um, if you all want to introduce yourself, we'll start out with Commissioner Joseph. Hi, I'm uh, Dayton City Commissioner Matt Joseph. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Meg. Yeah. And we also have Luke joining us. Luke, would you like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Luke Salfridge, I'm the Executive Director for the Sustainable Ohio Public Energy Council. Thank you everyone for joining us today. Um, so we are essentially just going to be walking through the basics of what is a community aggregation program, how does it work, why are we doing it, and how it can benefit residents. Um, so starting out, community aggregation can be kind of confusing, so I want to really start at the most basic level possible. Um, so Luke, I was wondering if you could answer um, what is aggregation and uh, why are communities interested in it? Sure. Back in 1989, Ohio became a deregulated energy market. Um, what that meant was that residents could shop where the power came from, from the generation supply um, side of the electric bill, which is roughly half your electric bill. Um, but it also enabled communities to do it together or even as councils of government, such as SOPEC. So aggregation enables us to um, shop where the power comes from um, to help negotiate that rate. Um, historically, it's been used as a vehicle for um, positive rate making um, and savings for residents. Uh, we like to say our rates are competitive, but we also view it as a vehicle for um, real change. So we see it as a way of implementing clean power um, while also um, securing um, competitive pricing for uh, the residents and small businesses. Great. And we, uh, in 2013, the city of Dayton passed a referendum to get aggregation started within the city. And uh, leading that charge, I believe, was Commissioner Joseph. So do you want to talk a little bit about why we decided as a city to uh, start our, an aggregation program? Absolutely. And there's actually even a backstory to that, if you want me to get very yeah. deep in this. Uh, you know, I was an, an, a staffer on the Hill in Capitol Hill in the 90s, and that was when Ohio's deregulation was was taking place. And I was a skeptic back then, just as I, I continue to be a skeptic of that entire process. So I had a front row seat for how they dismantled the, the single energy market. And so fast forward to becoming a commissioner, I, I put a lot of pressure on the city manager side on the office uh, to try to move us in that direction, both uh, to aggregate and to to increase our percentage of renewable energy that we're using, both as a city organization and for the city in general for our residents. So after a lot of complaining and uh, working with the, the city manager side and my colleagues, uh, we got that on the ballot in 2013, as you mentioned, and we our residents voted overwhelmingly for aggregation. And uh, I, I was really thrilled that it happened and it sort of set us up for success today after sort of a long and winding road. Awesome. And Luke, can you talk a little bit too about like why cities, I know you mentioned that we can save money through this, but what are some other possibilities of how cities can use aggregation to push maybe for more renewables or for some other benefits for both the environment and for residents? 
So aggregation is really a powerful tool and it really simplifies the process for folks wanting to do the right thing. So for, at the community level, um, it enables us to help hundreds of thousands um, of residents go renewable at the same time. Um, it's largely through a process called um, energy certificates at this point. Um, they take the green attributes and apply those to the power supply. Um, but it also enables us to use our uh, bulk buying power. SOPEC, for instance, is the second largest customer for AEP Energy. Uh, we'd be the fifth largest city in the state on paper. So uh, we're now looking at a quarter million residents in that buying power um, collectively, which is uh, an incredible resource for some communities, much smaller than Dayton. We have villages um, the size of 100 residents uh, up to the size of Dayton. So uh, for them, it gives them the ability to negotiate policy. Um, we have a really strong net metering policy for solar accordingly. Um, it also is the shared knowledge base. So we operate a lot as a shared energy office. So for the renewable cutting edge sustainability projects, we can be that vehicle and conduit. while also um, relying heavily on our members themselves. They bring a lot of knowledge to the table. We're governed by the communities we serve. Um, we're also a public agency. So we're subject to public records requests We're sunshine laws um, and we're audited regularly, um, which transparency I think is really welcome in local government these days um, across the board. But um, at the end of the day, we view aggregation as a tool and it's a mechanism. And it's, it's one of our largest programs we run through SOPEC, but it's the ability to move the needle in a big way for us uh, to get to our climate goals, both as an organization, for our communities, and then also help facilitate. Um, we also, we don't have shareholders, we have members. Each one of our communities um, has a seat at the table and votes on what we do. So part of that, if we've done our job um, and we have savings, we're able to use some of that money, a small piece of it um, back for community grants to do really positive development projects. And in the best case scenario, we're able to take um, those community grant dollars and leverage those for even more dollars. So uh, we just passed a community grant for one of our member communities uh, a few weeks ago uh, for $15,000 for a heritage tourism site. And that enables them to be competitive for a million and a half dollar grant that they're applying for. So it's one example, and there's been several other projects we have been successful, both public and private, the last few years that have published millions of dollars um, with relatively small, we're just speaking government terms, um, investment uh, from the community. So um, really the sky's the limit on creativity and what's possible, but um, aggregation is a really um, powerful vehicle if used um, for those positive changes. Yeah, and I will say just speaking with other sustainability offices out of the state, a lot of people are almost jealous that we have a deregulated market, mostly because community aggregation is a very powerful tool, as you're mentioning, that we can hit our sustainability goals within the city, um, but also do a lot of really other exciting things like these projects that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and yes, I was just talking from someone from Wisconsin who was like, I just wish that we were a deregulated market so that because it's much harder for them to hit some of these goals that they set in their sustainability offices and as a city um, when they don't have a deregulated market and it helps our residents. Right. And so like it's a win for the city and our residents because we're able to be more flexible and do some of these really cool programs with it. Um, Commissioner Joseph, could you speak a little bit to um, our aggregation program before, because we are now restarting this program in 2021. So can you talk a little bit about our last program and maybe why it ended and why we're starting this now and maybe how it's a little bit different? I can't, but I want to talk for a minute about the irony of what you just said, because uh, having a deregulated market helps us as a city and helps SOPEC and small communities who want to, to go to renewable energy, who want to be cleaner. But for the state as a whole, it would be much better if the state would just say we're going 100% renewable. So we're leaving behind a, a huge percentage of the population that uh, would have been a potential uh, user, a potential, you know, uh, potential market for this sort of thing. So while DREG is good for us, it's still it's still a shame that we couldn't bring the whole state with us. And 
really practically the whole country. So we're taking advantage of what's in front of us, and that's good. But there's so much more that could have been done. So so much opportunity cost that uh, it's that's out there that uh, it's it's too bad that uh, more of the more of the country and more of the state doesn't see things the way we do. Doesn't see the urgency of of uh, of using renewable energy. So initially, too, at Capitol Hill, wasn't it supposed to be more of like a federal program? Like they want to deregulate all the states or I could. It wasn't a federal initiative, but it was uh, back in the days when there was uh, a push by Republicans to deregulate in a lot of areas and energy was one of the easiest. So states that were controlled by Republican legislatures and Republican governors mostly were deregulated. Wisconsin at the time had a a Democratic governor, so I think that's probably why they didn't deregulate at that point. And, you know, just like a lot of things that, that happen, uh, there is a, a financial and a motive and a, a political motive behind it, and it didn't turn out like they expected. But like you say, we're taking advantage of what they gave us, and we're making the best of the situation, and I'm, I'm proud of us for that. Yeah. I think so you probably- also wanted me to talk about the... Yes. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Meg. No, I was just going to say my only other comment on your point was I think it's a powerful thing, too, because sometimes... People say that in a Republican-dominated states or states with Republican governors that you can't accomplish certain sustainability goals. And it's interesting because I think aggregation helps us with that, um, even though a lot of our state legislature is all Republican. So um, yeah. because I think energy is a, an important issue, which is bipartisan in a sense, because people want to save money. And people are not always against renewables. Um, like that can be an, a, a bipartisan issue as well, depending on who you're talking to, especially in Ohio. So. I think our yes. future survival depends on it not being partisan. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so yes, I asked you about um, our program before, uh, why it ended, and how this one is a little bit different. Yeah, uh, the the program we started uh, after the vote in 2013, uh, we were thrilled that residents voted for it. We went out, we signed a contract uh, in aggregate. Uh, we had a, a nice contract uh, when it ran out energy prices on the market had dropped so much that we couldn't in good conscience uh, force our residents to pay that much more for energy. So we just dissolved the program for for then, for the time being, and went back out to the regular market, the standard provider. Uh, And that was mostly because we are not a rich city. Our residents are not the richest folks. And during that time, you know, things weren't great. And uh, so we made the decision as a commission to, to back off for a little while. But now the picture has changed. Uh, we're back and I'm really looking forward to getting things started again. And the key for me this time also is having the 100% renewable option. The last time there was a renewable component to the energy we bought, but this is this is 100% and I'm really looking forward to getting it going again. Yeah. And Luke, could you talk a little bit too about like how, how communities are able, I know you touched on getting 100% renewable, but um, like how does that all work? How how are residents able to claim that they have 100% renewable energy now? Sure. So we've actually had 100% renewable programs with some of our communities since um, early 2015, um, maybe even 2014 when we first launched ourselves, but um, I know at least since 2015, um, largely through renewable energy certificates. So um, we look at the marketplace and try to find the most um, uh, competitive options. Um, we certainly love to see generation based in Ohio, certainly love to see it in our own communities, and we're definitely working towards that goal. Um, that is a longer term process. Um, Ohio is behind our neighboring states on renewable deployment. We have about half as much solar as Pennsylvania or Michigan. Um, we'd like to see that changed. Um, so we do have more options in state to procure um, solar and wind. 
But for the time being, we've largely been procuring um, either wind, solar, hydro from other states where they do have a more policy or more positive policy environment, more competitive pricing um, through renewable deployment. So we're buying the green valuation of that power and helping deploy it, um, which for the planet's sake is great. Um, but from an equity standpoint, we definitely want to see those dollars come home long term. So um, a very small piece of the electric um, uh, bill that you're paying um, is to help that process. But uh, we are definitely actively engaged in multiple conversations uh, as we try to develop green sources, um, either really adjacent to our communities, sometimes in our communities, um, but definitely within Ohio itself. Hey, Luke, there's going to be a percentage of folks listening to this podcast who are not familiar with this process at all. So can you describe certificates and how, how they come to be? Yeah, so um, there's a variety of types of certificates. Um, some have varying quality. Um, and what's labeled as green may not come as a shock to many folks. Um, is pretty wide as well. Um, so we're selective in what we consider green, um, somewhat in conjunction with the EPA, somewhat in conjunction with the local officials and what their appetite is for um, price sensitivities, for program sensitivities. So uh, we made a policy decision. Nuclear is not part of what we do. We're not doing things like bioheat um, or biomass or waste heat. Um, we are looking exclusively at hydro, wind, and solar. Um, and there's a market. Um, so as new construction happens, part of the development cost for new generation um, is valuation of those green assets. So there's a market for that value. Um, those prices do go up and down um, as a commodity. Um, so we're buying that green values and it can only be claimed to one place. So as we claim it, somebody else can't claim it for compliance somewhere else. So that's also very important from an accounting standpoint, um, but we're virtually taking those credits. So instead of it being directly hooked up, and if, um, residents are listening, familiar with the grid, um, we're still going to be operating the existing lines. We're not creating any new lines. There's no worry about reliability. Um, sometimes that's a concern as well when we start talking about some of these things. Whole other conversation, but um, it's the exact same grid you're operating under now uh, under PGM, AES wires, um, and then we're procuring the green attributes um, as part of the power supply. There's lots of things that go into your electric bill. I'm sure as you look at your electric bill, there's line by line by line. Our end goal is that we have competitive pricing with everything um, put in there together. Um, often we're able to save. I can't guarantee we always do. Um, we do our best in our due diligence and definitely have our members engaged with us. Um, I can say that our um, Southeast Ohio bundle is going to save money next year. We already know that up front, um, the magnitude of millions across the region. So um, we're still figuring out some of the um, final contract details for Dayton itself. So um, I'm excited to see some of the things that make up um, pricing to see where, where that lands, but I feel pretty good about the competitiveness of the rate going in the next year as well, which I know makes local leaders feel good as well. Um, but you're talking about a virtual um, component to the power when you talk about RECs. So that's good. And I, I want to go back to the very beginning. So if you have a, a, a solar array in your neighborhood, mm -hmm. you can connect directly up to that and the power comes from that. This is a virtual way of doing that. So the 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 wind or the solar or whatever installation when it's built somewhere else uh they say okay this is that much greener than what uh, a carbon-based fuel would be or carbon-based energy would be and that savings is those certificates so we're buying the 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 uh, the green nature of that power and and the cleanness of it so like you say that 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 project uh, only one one entity one consortium or one city can buy those certificates, uh, just so that the the value of the the, the clean power, uh, and then there's a market for it, like you say. So I just want to make sure because there are folks that we we have to walk through the very beginning. Yeah, and it's really a vehicle to facilitate clean energy deployment. Again, for the um, you know 
climate change is a, a global issue. Um, pollutants are um, global as well. So for the climate's sake, it doesn't matter if they're in Oklahoma or in Ohio, but for equity, we definitely do care from um, our ability to access long-term. We want those assets to be more locally based. So it's an intervening step, um, but I, I'm very optimistic in the next few years, we'll have some uh, locally deployed renewables as well to be part of our portfolio. So folks can literally point to it um, maybe in their town, maybe in a neighboring town and saying this, this has helped um, power. And already folks who are, um, have rooftop solar distributed generation already doing that. So those electrons are being shared locally because the electrons don't know where the market is. They just go where they're needed. Um, but for the green attributes, we're looking at a, a broader perspective. Um, and a lot of that is for price sensitivities. And I, I just want to add in too that, because uh, I think residents often when we're like, we're working with SOPEC, they're like, so my billing is going to change. But I think it's important to note that residents will continue to get their bills from AES Ohio. The only thing they're going to see that's different is there's going to be a little note at the top under supply that names SOPEC. But uh, Luke, could you talk a little bit too? You are a broker in a sense, but mm -hmm. people are also going to be seeing AEP on their bill, right? And so um, can you explain kind of that relationship? I am. It may not come as a shock to most folks, but uh, energy markets are complicated. So <laughs> I'll walk through it for a second. So PGM is the regional grid operator, and it's kind of like air traffic control meets Wall Street. They're the ones that keep the lights on. They're the ones that regulate um, how much power costs in a given day to make sure everything's working correctly. Um, you go a layer below that, you have the utilities that operate the lines and wires, and they operate with PGM um, to manage that and make sure that the folks, if there's um, a storm, they're the ones out there literally putting the wires up and uh, making sure that all of us stay safe and warm. Um, and when it comes to the generation component, when Ohio deregulated, it spun off um, the generation assets. So that created a space for brokers to work with communities to find um, a competitive retail energy supplier to supply their given community. Um, SOPEC became the alternative. SOPEC is a government broker. So we operate much like a government our broker, but we're doing it for the benefit of our government entities and and, obviously, and they're also steering it. So it's either local mayors, county commissioners um, that are making those decisions. So um, we are working um, with the CRES or the Competitive Retail Energy Supplier to procure the power, but um, those contracts are negotiated with on behalf of our members themselves. Um, and that's what uh, the final rate is going to be based on is um, our ability to negotiate those rates. So instead of the utility setting the default for price um, in conjunction with the Public Utilities Commission, it's way more complicated than that. But essentially, that's what's happening. If you aren't shopping, we're going out as a community saying we want to set the floor for our pricing. Um, and hopefully it's cheaper. Um, that's not always the case, but it can be the chase, uh, case. And in that case, if we have you know, green power and it's cheaper, then it's a no-brainer. Um, I'll promise competitive. Um, that's it's a market. Markets go up and down. They change dramatically. So we're making the most informed decision we can. Um, but our ultimate goal is to save residents money at the same time as going green. That's the perfect scenario. Great. And Commissioner Joseph, too, I think we've been talking about green a lot. Uh, can you talk a little bit about why the city of Dayton or why you specifically, when you when you tasked the sustainability office to restart aggregation, you said this time I want 100% green. Kind of what is your, what, yeah, wh why did you do that? And what is, what's the city's goals, I guess, in terms of sustainability and 100% renewable? That's a very good question. Uh, I would say uh, we're all here trying to do the best for our residents, right? We're trying to do the best things for our citizens. I got elected to, to, to try to do the best that I can for citizens, and that's that includes long-term thinking. So while we're not a rich city, 
and we haven't been for a long time. Uh, hopefully we'll get back there, but we're just not. It doesn't mean we can't think in the long term. So uh, one of the greatest crises, if not the greatest crisis of our day, is is the fact that we're, we're just slowly destroying the planet. Uh, so as a as an elected official, as a city commissioner, it would be irresponsible of me not to push for changes that make our operations more sustainable and give our residents the choices they need to make responsible decisions about energy use uh, to make sure that we're, there will be a future for our kids and our grandkids down the road. So with that sort of big picture in mind, uh, I, I've been doing everything I can for a lot of years to try to push in the in the correct direction. And the, the key is, as we mentioned before, uh, you know, we want to make sure that we're not disadvantaging our citizens who have been disadvantaged in many ways before. Um, so this this current situation, as Luke mentioned just a moment ago, this nice balance of, of a good cost and being 100% renewable, this is an ideal. This is a, it's a dream for me that happened this way. It's working out very nicely. Um, and I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm proud and I'm happy that, that all these years of work are culminating in this. So I think it's important for the city. It's important for our future um, and it's the right thing to do. I think it's important too to mention that um, when we were putting together to our sustainability plan that was passed in August of 2020, something that when I was doing research about kind of the stresses that we have in the region is in, I think it was 2012, we were considered one of the worst cities for air quality. And a lot of that is related back to generation of fossil fuels. So not only are we advancing to try and get cleaner air through this program, but we're also trying to protect residents because I think that um, we are, we have 55% or more of our residents in the city, right, are minorities too. And so this is like an equity kind of perspective that we're taking as well as this is an equitable way to build a, a better future for our residents. So, um, yeah, I think it's powerful because Dayton might not be the richest city and we might be, you know, not the biggest city, but we're still making really strategic and smart decisions to kind of push for a better future for residents. And that's why I think people are drawn to Dayton because they're drawn to this idea that like we're all in it together and we're all trying to build a better future. And every single person that you talk to in Dayton is, is has that kind of mindset, which I think is really, really a beautiful thing. So. My next question, and I'll, I'll throw this over to Luke, but Commissioner Joseph, if you want to answer it too, it kind of suspense. Um, so who's participating in this program? Um, like if it's all, are all residents in the city in this, or is it just a couple people kind of, and how do people know if they're participating or not? And what if they don't want to participate? All good questions. So the program we're describing is an opt-out electric aggregation program. So the default setting is that, I'm gonna throw some caveats out here in a minute, but everybody is in the program unless they choose not to be in the program. That's the baseline setting. The caveats being, if you're in the PIP program, um, which is folks getting assistance on the utility bills, you're excluded from the program. If you are currently getting electric heating uh, rate code, we are not gonna include you in the program. You're getting very competitive rates on that side. Um, if you've shot for power um, without rejoining, and if you're over a certain load, so industrial customers um, are not included as well. But, um, and then if you don't wanna participate in the program, you can call um, a number that will be sent out in a letter. And historically, those letters have had a fee. If you miss the window timeline, you charged a fee. We're a government agency. We believe in um, serving the benefit of our residents. We have no fee. So if folks decide a year from now, they went out of it. If they decide three days after they get the letter, they went out. It's the same situation. Um, they'll be able to make one phone call and be able to leave the program. If they're on budget billing, they'll be still on budget billing um, through this program. 
So we try to make it as flexible as possible, providing the most uh, maximum benefit. Um, roughly a third of customers shop where the power comes from and the other two thirds don't. So it's really the folks who don't shop that we're serving. But I'd also encourage folks who do currently shop for the power comes from. This may be for your local church, maybe for your house, maybe for your small business. Um, wait until you see our prices because um, it may actually be cheaper. And I actually think a very strong chance we're going to be cheaper. So if you can be 100% green, help the city be part of the program um, and be cheaper, why would you not? And you've frankly already done the process before through shopping. So come back into the program, support it and benefit from it because um, there may be real savings yourself as well. Um, so I would encourage folks to pay attention. Um, so what's called an opt-out letter comes out. So you'll be receiving that in the mail um, in the month of April. That's going to describe the terms of the program. It's going to describe the pricing um, and the process if folks want to opt out of it. But um, do look at the pricing. Um, if you have any questions, um, you can call um, and they'll walk you through it. But um, I do think it'll be a very competitive offer come that time. Luke, will that opt-out letter go to all residents or will it go to only ones who are not under a current contract? Oh, um, it'll go ones who are not under a current contract. So I believe if you've, yes, if you are not um, eligible for ag, you won't be receiving the letter because it's based on that list um, of folks who are eligible for the program receiving that letter. So if you don't receive a letter, um, we will, um, hopefully by the time this podcast airs, we'll have a link to it or a number, but we'll get you uh, content information where you can opt in um, if you're eligible otherwise. But everybody should be eligible unless they fit one of those categories that just described or makes the decision themselves they want to um, do other things with their power supply. That's great. I'm glad you answered that because I think there are a lot of people who will want to opt in. So we're going to have to make sure to get the word out to them. Certainly hope so. And one other letter that comes in that process to you will actually get a letter from AES. So folks, don't be alarmed. Um, sometimes it is confusing. You get a letter from AES saying you're being enrolled in an aggregation program. Um, we're going to do a full rollout to make sure folks are as aware as possible, but they'll be receiving that letter in addition to the letter from um, AEP describing the aggregation program itself. So um, that's called a rescission letter. Um, and then shortly thereafter, they'll get the opt-out letter. And what if, why, or why, or how do I word this question? What if you don't want to opt in? Well, you kind of cover that. You can just call. But why would someone maybe, why would they not want to opt in? Ooh, well, I'd say if someone wants to opt, if they, if they're already, you're saying if they're already within another program, and don't want to opt in. Yeah, or like if they get the letter, like, because yeah. they're automatically opted in, some yep. people might be like, well, I don't want to do this. What are some reasons why potentially maybe? Yeah. A lot of times it comes down to the price. So if folks think the price is competitive, then I would encourage you to stay put and take advantage of the green program. Um, if you don't think it's competitive, that's certainly a right um, folks can exercise to leave the program pretty easily themselves. So that's, I'd say it's the most compelling reason. Um, folks can go on apples to apples. The state um, has a website that uh, maintain that has pricing, but um, I think you'll find our pricing much more competitive than those rates. Um, yeah. Also, if you are shopping for that, just as a bit of cons uh, consumer protection, customer protection, um, do be very careful of um, contracts that are have a um, initial offer. So it may be a really cheap price for one month and then spikes way up. So if you are shopping for power, be very leery of the details. Um, also, some of them have a flat fee in addition to a really competitive rate, and then they'll have an annual fee every, or a monthly fee. So I think it's one of the strengths of the SOPEC program that we are a nonprofit government agency. So we're looking out for our residents the best we can um, in our member communities. So um, we've done our homework. We've done our best off, um, effort to lock in um, at a competitive rate that hopefully is cheaper. But um, there are other options available to folks, um, but I think um, they should be very um, 
informed and careful as they proceed on that front. Um, opting out is one thing, but when you start going to the competitive market, um, there's a lot of other um, variables that they should be aware of. I think that's a good point. And I think it's important to note too that people don't always have to, being opted into the program is extremely beneficial because we can then have that community grant program. And that community grant program directly puts money into our community to do sustainability programming, such as adding electric vehicle chargers or trying to get more renewable energy or helping residents with energy efficiency and lowering their bills. So it's huge for us for people to be in the program because it directly benefits the city of Dayton and residents. Um, and I think the other thing important to note too is there's a step down option. So if you're if you're someone who doesn't like renewables as much, but you want to still be in our ag program, you can call AEP and still be in our program, but just get the step down option, which is fossil fuel based. Uh, obviously, we recommend people doing the green program because there are a variety of benefits both to people and our planet, but you can also step down if you're if you're passionate about that. Great. Uh, it's good to see that we were one of the first community choice aggregators in the country to go 100% green as the default product. So um, that's been exciting and really um, lets cities like Dayton really shine. So folks that are looking for investing in communities, the entrepreneurial spirit, um, it's a really good indicator um, that folks are um, very forward thinking when it comes to um, power and supply. And um, we're also hearing from a lot of the developers at the state level. So again, the solutions Commissioner Joseph alluded to earlier, um, we believe in local solutions at this point. We are not seeing a lot of agreement at the state or the federal level on how to move forward on um, renewable energy policy. So um, this is a way for us to act, um, act locally and see real change and, and significant change. So we have a quarter million Ohioans that are in our program collectively. So that's not insignificant, um, but also really does shine a spotlight on these communities that um, they are doing big things. and. Um, as the big um, corporations are moving into the state with some of these big mega projects you're hearing about in the news, they're demanding renewables. So where they locate um, their facilities um, has a lot to do with the ability to procure renewables. And that's state policy, it's local policy, but um, that is an active conversation. We're hearing from our port authorities, we're hearing from uh, local officials, um, and it's an important consideration. Yeah, and Commissioner Joseph, could you speak to a little bit? Because um, like I said, one of the great things about this program is this community grants. Um, so if you had a wish list as a commissioner, because you've been pushing sustainability for a long time in the city of Dayton, what are some things that you're excited to see that, uh, the, the, that the city of Dayton could explore with having additional funding to do sustainability projects? Oh, the list is long, Meg. I've been waiting for a long time. Uh, you know, I want to have local generation. I want to have generation on city land on with solar or wind or whatever we can do. Uh, I want to electrify our fleet so that uh, the trucks that pick up trash, uh, the, the police cars, everything else is electric and running on renewable energy. Uh, there, the list is long, Meg. I could go on forever. You don't want to hear the whole thing, but there, yeah. there are many projects out there, even things as simple as something we're already doing, which is putting chargers out there for EVs uh there there are a lot of things we can do it's a it's a target rich environment as they say almost everything we do is going to be helpful for the planet helpful for our city uh and really make us look good as a city like you mentioned before make us a destination place for folks to think like we do that we need to save the planet and be smart about it uh so yes the, the list is long <laughs> great uh, the other I, I, I can elaborate a few of them we've done pretty recently too because some of them are pretty exciting and uh, a lot of fun so 
Um, the city of Logan just recently deployed um, uh, Tesla police cars, and we bought the chargers for those. Um, that ended up penciling out financially for them. They're very excited. Those are the first in Ohio. Um, we helped with the Department of Energy grant for an electric um, public transit bus. We've helped with the local match for a battery backup system for our water treatment plant. We've helped um, do inside consulting for solar projects on sewer plants. Um, so it really does run the gambit so to support uh, what Commissioner Joseph just mentioned. It's pretty exciting and a lot of fun. And, and those are based on the number of residents in the program, not the total amount of load. Again, we're an environmentally focused group ourselves. So uh, we don't want to penalize for folks for being efficient. So it's the total number of participants in the program by household um, rather than the total load itself. So um, yeah, I'm excited to see. Uh, and again, the grant process as well um, is very transparent, like everything we do. So that is approved by our board of directors um, to release those funds, um, all public records as part of that process, the application. Um, and uh, yeah, it'd be really exciting to see where Dayton does deploy those funds. Hey, Luke, if people are watching this and they're interested in this program and would like to talk to their city council people about this, how do they go about that? Do they contact you first? What What's the best route for them to go? Yeah, either myself or Phil. Uh, Phil Lepla is our boots on the ground, so to speak. Phil is very uh, well-versed in what we do. Um, we are one of the largest aggregators in the state. Um, I believe we're one of the um, biggest innovators as well of using the aggregation program um, beyond Ohio even, I would say. Um, so yeah, we'd happily talk to folks. Um, if they've gone to ballot like Dayton had before, it's just a matter of re-implementing the program and a few pieces of legislation, some good conversations. Um, if they have to go to ballot um, for the voters to initially um, authorize the program, we're happy to have that conversation as well. And we've done that for many of our communities um, from the beginning. And I think it's important to note here too that the city of Dayton did a pretty, um, we did a pretty long process of looking for aggregators across the state and we interviewed probably at least 10 to 15 and I probably called at least over 10 cities to try and narrow down a list and aggregation. Um, unfortunately, some brokers will take advantage of cities and um, try and charge them a higher rate or try to put in some more funding for the broker. And so I think it's important too if cities go to ballot and are interested that they really do their homework by connecting with other cities because I think the really cool thing about Ohio is that everyone's really friendly and trying to help other cities along. Um, and so I was just thrilled. I talked to so many different people from all over Ohio who were just really excited that we were doing this program, but also were really great about helping us narrow down our list. Um, and obviously we're very happy that we went with SOPEC, um, not only because they're a very trustworthy group, but um, Luke, as you mentioned earlier, the sunshine laws that you all have, the ability to provide grants for our community, the transparency, the willingness to work with us are all huge um, because not every aggregator in the state is willing to do those things. And I think that's really important um, for people that are listening that aren't in the city of Dayton to just, yeah, do your homework, contact people, contact us at the city of Dayton. We'd love to talk to you about the process that we all went through. Um, because yeah, you just have to be careful. And I think that uh, there are some really other great people too, but being careful, I think is, is an important part of, of finding and ending up with a good broker so that you're happy. Uh, the last thing I wanted to speak about too, and this is uh, for Commissioner Joseph and Luke, because you both can talk to us. I was just listening to a really interesting NPR 
it was a WYSO, uh, uh, I guess, bit in um, part of their new morning news that was talking about um, how we actually have a big Appalachia community that has moved here uh, a long time ago. We have a lot of roots to that. And what I think is so exciting about SOPEC is you all started in Athens and in you know Appalachia to to work with these communities who have been affected by um, cl closing coal facilities or I guess generation facilities, right? Um, so I was wondering if either of you could speak to that. P mostly, uh, Commissioner Joseph, you could talk a little bit about the immigrant community and how I don't know anything you want to add in on there, and then Luke, maybe talk a little bit about why it was so important for you guys to start um, in the eastern part of Ohio. Yeah, that's a great question, Meg. And it's it's just a nice coincidence, a happy coincidence that SOPEC is based out of Southeast Ohio because so many of our residents came from the same place as theirs when it was, they came from the South and it was time to open car factories here, production during the Second World War and thereafter when sort of we had our boom times in Dayton. We had a ton of people coming from Tennessee and Kentucky and further South and their residents are still, their, their descendants are still with us here today. And the fact that we're, cooperating with with Luke and, and the folks from SOPEC who are based in Southeast Ohio. It's it's nice. It's really very nice. And in fact, it has a practical component too, and that is uh, that community uh, has a, a reputation for being a little bit skeptical about new things. And if we can point to communities in Southeast Ohio that have done it successfully already, uh, that gives us a step up and it gives us, a, I think, a better chance of reaching out and uh, that the program is a better chance of succeeding. So it's worked out really well for us, I think. I'll speak personally for a second, I guess. I, I'm very excited about it. Um, in fact, um, I've got several relatives myself, um, great uncles that left after World War II, came up and worked at RTA there. Um, I've got relatives that are still there, very active in local government in uh, the city of Dayton or in the broader community of Dayton itself. So I think um, very, very strong connections to Appalachia, especially Kentucky, but also Southeast Ohio and um, Southern Ohio. So I think for us at SOPEC, um, for us to be connected to clean energy in particular, um, there's a historic connection to energy for our region and yours too. So this region has powered the nation, um, largely powered a lot of the uh, machinery from World War II. And so for us to really grab hold of that next wave of um, technology, the next wave of the energy sector is really important and critical. And Dayton the same, Dayton was a lot of the industrial um, uh, core of the Midwest for a while was one of the major cities. Um, and still really has that grit, really has the determination. Um, and you can see um, a lot of excitement and enthusiasm every time I come to downtown, I see something new happening. And, um, and that's the broader region there in the Miami Valley, but um, there's a very strong historic connection between the two communities. And I think that as we go to other parts of the state, there are also a lot of connections. At one point, I believe Cleveland is 80% Appalachian um, descendants. So um, you have that connection across Ohio where um, a lot of folks do have connection to Appalachian. I think it's it's fun seeing the innovation come both ways. I'm sure we will certainly learn um, as we expand to other regions of the state as new ideas, new personalities. And that's one of the cool things about our board structures that it relies on the members themselves to be part of that process. And I don't say this lightly, but almost every decision we make um, is consensus based. And we are a pretty bipartisan group as far as representation and membership. Um, it's neat this day and age to see folks work proactively towards the betterment of the communities. Um, and check politics at the door and party lines at the door. And I think that's, um, it's really neat to see what's possible. And I think this is one of those issues where um, the climate doesn't care about your party affiliation, the um, uh, environmental contaminants don't uh, pick and choose households accordingly. Um, so I think it's, it stands a lot of promise. I think there's a lot to be learned. 
we're doing a lot of work um, on brownfield development for solar projects. And I think that definitely has applicability in both communities um, as we explore those options and uh, our resources. And that's one of the cool things about SOPEC is that we have the ability and bandwidth to have attorneys on standby. There's some of the best attorneys in the state for energy. So if um, Commissioner Joseph or another uh, commissioner at the city or one of our other mayors wants to explore something where they may have the bandwidth or resources at the local level, they can reach out to us and we can connect them. Maybe we pull a couple together to figure it out, but um, we're able to do big things together. And I think that there's definitely strength in numbers in this case, but um, that historic connection is not lost on us either. Um, my wife is from a little town right on 35 um, in Southern Ohio. So um, I, I go by it every time I come over that way, but um, I think we're excited about the possibilities and what the future holds. Cause I think there is a, a very strong, strong connection um, across Southern Ohio and frankly beyond. Uh, like I said, uh, we're gonna continue to grow and expand and uh, we welcome Dayton in that community of um, uh, partnership. Well, as we wrap up, is there anything that I haven't talked about? Any questions or anything that you all would like to plug? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> There's a big one out there, Meg. If we're, if this is going out to a wide audience, we want to make sure that they click on our sustainability plan on the City of Dayton yes. website, DaytonOhio.gov, and see some of the other things that we're working on. This is uh, We're proud of being a progressive city, especially as far as uh, renewables, as far as sustainability. Uh, we aim to stay in the lead and the cutting edge of that. And you, Meg, are a huge part of that. You and your colleagues in your office have done a great job of sustainability. Uh, there has been a burst of creativity, of action. And uh, I, I know that folks, once they start reading about it and hearing about it, they're going to want to know more. So we want to make sure they go to davenohio.gov and click on the sustainability plan to, to check it out. And if I can expand on that, a lot of these, um, these projects, all these solutions are really citizen driven. So I'd encourage folks, you know, find your passion. Um, a lot of our communities are working on credentialing. So we have cities that are B City USA. We have cities that are Tree City USA or Tree Campuses. Um, we have other ones that are focused on Soul Smart accreditation or lead certification of facilities. So um, your passion may be EVs, um, or maybe it's law enforcement helping create resiliency at um, local facilities or in healthcare and the same there. Um, so I think there's a lot of um, pathways as we develop sustainability. Um, programs and um, we want to make sure that it meets the needs of everyone that's um, being affected uh, by climate change and um, if we rebuild our cities and communities that they're stronger and meet the needs of folks. So I think it's um, an exciting inflection point. I think that uh, the city's done a wonderful job of rolling out the sustainability plan. It's a great roadmap. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, lots of things are possible on that front. Um, if you're a small business owner, um, we're happy to talk to you about solar. We do have some programs. Uh, we manage one statewide uh, with USDA that helps folks look at solar assessments. Um, so we're happy to have a conversation there, discuss it. Um, the microbrewery community, for instance, um, is very involved in solar. Um, that's another example of cross-pollination between Athens. Uh, one of our local breweries in Athens is now setting up shop um, in Dayton itself. So I think um, there's a lot of things um, happening um, across sectors and segments and um, I think it's pretty fun and exciting to see what comes next. And Meg, I do have one more thing too, Luke, that those are great points. I want to mention too that this is all made possible at the city level because my colleagues are all in agreement with me on this. Mm -hmm. All five of us, of my commission colleagues, are looking to be more sustainable, are willing to make the sacrifices necessary to build a better future in that way. So I want to thank them too. Yeah, and I would like to thank them too because our sustainability office is relatively new. We just started in 2019 and then our plan came out in 2020. 
but yes, we do have a lot of exciting things on the horizon. I think aggregation is the kind of Kickstarter for us in a lot of ways because the community grant program is going to help fuel um, a lot of our programming that's going to directly benefit residents. We have a, a plethora of projects from waste and illegal dumping, recycling, composting to energy efficiency in homes. We've been working with groups to do weatherization. So I'm very excited. We have, as Luke mentioned, everybody's talents and passions are, I think, represented in our sustainability plan. And um, I'm excited that we have so many people in Dayton that are passionate about sustainability because it really helps drive our program in a very positive direction. So but yes, we couldn't have done this without Commissioner Joseph and your colleagues supporting us and starting our office. And I think we've accomplished a lot in the in the two, three years that we have been uh, doing this work. So mm -hmm. definitely exciting. Um, well, I want to thank you all for joining. This was very good. Uh, hopefully you listeners learned a lot about our aggregation program. Um, we will have more information on our website at DaytonOhio.gov. You can also call our call center. They have, um, if you have any questions, they can uh, answer them or direct you to our sustainability office to answer more questions. But thank you again, Commissioner Joseph and Luke for being here. Um, and we're excited to kickstart this program on June 1st. Thank you, Meg. Look forward to it. Thank y'all. Thank you for listening to The Birthplace of Next. We'll be back soon with another episode. <laughs>